Welcome to Church is Cancelled. I am your co-host, Brett, and I am here with Juan McCain this week. Juan McCain? Yes, hola, uh, ¿cómo está? Muy bien. Uh, Juan McCain, also known as Danny. That's right. Every week I, I like to spice things up because I think, you know, Danny Bombay uh, is such a boring name. So, Dr. Danny Bombay. That's right. I identify as a doctor, so I can call myself that because it's 2022. Um, my Absolutely formal training right. is in Americatology, which is the study of American fatness. But that is not <laughs> our subject today. No, it is not. <clears throat> this one is going to be kind of tenuous, if you ask me. I don't know that it's going to be. It's going to be. I, I wish I didn't say tenuous, but it's going to be different. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about politics in church, not Uh-oh. the politics of church. Yeah. You see, I just made that that uh, this is this is what you know, ministers. This is what pastors who went to uh, seminary do. They, but you know, yeah. Flip it. Yeah, it's right. But it. it's but it's politics in church, and I think you know the the reason I uh, we actually had this on the call sheet for later, but I advanced it up to this week because you know I think we just passed an election. Um, this will be it's recorded before the election, but it's yeah. you know it will come out after. So um, Danny, let me just. Danny, this is the most important election of our lifetime. 100%. So let me just, um, I'll just slice this up depending on how the election goes. So we'll have a little uh, relative thing here. Let me just say, in this election, the most important thing we can do after this election is deny the yeah. election results because the Republicans okay. won and we know that's fake. Uh, now let me do yeah. it if the Democrats win. I can't believe that the Republicans are denying the results of the election. This is horrifying, and this is a threat to our democracy. All right. So we should cover, depending on everything goes. There, no, I, we're uh, good. Yeah, I, I either, I already did my ballot. I either wrote yeah. people, I, I wrote in a bunch of people, mm-hmm. um, one of them being my two-and-a-half-year-old nephew. He'll do a better job than anyone else who's on the ballot. Yeah, I'm mailing mine in. <laughs> of course you are. How many? Just the one? No, seven. Of course. <laughs> He's joking. Federal Election Commission. That's a joke. We're uh, a <laughs> first podcast. Um, also, I ended up <laughs> voting for someone who has passed away. Oops. They passed away, but they were already on the ballot. Um, you want to talk about a conspiracy theory. This yeah. particular party's run candidates. That was the second time, second election in a row where their candidate has been on the ballot, but has already passed away. And every single time they've got my vote, because I believe that person having been passed away will do a better job than anyone else. Has. So, <laughs> and, you know, I just the dead you know, politicians always do the best job. That's right. They're the best kind. Um, you know, Rick Warren uh, was was maligned by the evangelical community because he did a convocational prayer or something at one of Obama's thingamajigs. Oh yeah, and he he was quoted as you know I remember seeing the video where he's like, listen I'm not right wing or left wing I'm the whole bird, and I kind of agree with that sentiment in the sense that I want the whole bird blasted out of the sky. I just want Agreed, yeah, and I just want that out there before we start doing this because I'm not left or right and um, I'm not in the middle either. But um, it's uh, yeah. I, I'm, we'll I'm going to do about where we stand. Uh, we both would identify, I guess, as libertarian. You a yeah. bit more anarcho-capitalist than myself. Right. Um, I think that maybe some government should exist, but do very little. You yeah, might be right. happy with none. And, and I would say that I agree with that sentiment. I just believe that it should be a privatized government where they're competing with each other. But sure. 
the reason I say that is I'm going to end up doing some defensive white evangelicals, white evangelical conservatism, only You're because defend those people. They're on be only because I I view them as being unfairly maligned and maliciously attacked, and the result of that in one generation will be the fascism that the left Christians are always complaining that these other people are doing. Mm-hmm. It's it's literally what the U.S. did in various countries to spark revolutions. Like it's kind of where what's happening. So. Okay, well let's yeah. uh, let's bring it to a, a start then. We're we're talking about the church and politics, right? Not politics within the church. And as we know, religion and politics, two of the three things that you should never talk about, right? Which so I'm, we'll, uh, we'll talk about them. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, we're our, gonna put them our together. Guess uh, to get us started off, a very basic question: yeah. Should churches be political? Yeah, and I, you know, I wrote some of these questions, and um, the reason I put it there is it's kind of complicated because I get why there's a lot of big megachurches that I can think of where they're doing this dance where they're trying to not be <clears throat> too conservative, but they realize we're a megachurch. <laughs> like, w- white evangelicals are the bread and butter of what we're doing. Um, they're still people, and we can't disenfranchise them. And, you know, I did include a couple of links to some articles, which won't be anywhere in the show notes because I don't have that kind of time. But, um, <laughs> but it's, you know, there was, I remember hearing a statistic from my church, um, something like 15 to 20% of people left their church um, because of the results of the 2016 election or yeah. and the subsequent, like, you know, all of the stuff that happened from 2016 through 2020. Um, and I know somebody personally who was like, you still go to that church? That pastor got the medicine that they were bringing out in 2020. Mm, yeah. How can you? And I was like, I, I, first of all, I didn't even know that. I mean, it's true, but I didn't know that. I don't care. He does the, the part of the job I'm concerned with is, does he preach the gospel? Right. Or does he preach the Bible well? And he does that. And he always finds insights that I'm always like, I never thought of that that way. <clears throat> and I always leave feeling encouraged and all that jazz. Um, and if any church ever condemns you for anything, they're wrong and they shouldn't be allowed to do that. And they're fascists. I'm kidding. But <laughs> the, um, uh, the, the, uh, there was an article you referenced uh, of, from the Christian Post that talked about more specifically what they found is why evangelicals were leaving church after the election of uh, 2016 is they either they thought that like they were anti-Trump and they felt their pastor was too pro-Trump right or they were pro-Trump and their pastor was too anti-Trump right is in what that study they found it to be related to right what's your reaction to that I think for uh, there's there's good reasons to have been not supportive of Trump, but there's more nuanced reasons to have said, yeah, I mean, like, we're going to have to hold our nose and vote for this guy. I never did that because I think the whole system is dumb. Um, But this isn't about my opinion necessarily on politics. This is about my opinion on politics in church. My reaction to that is stupid. Yes, Um, agreed. uh, But at the same time, there's a kernel of that that I understand because 
um, when I left the church that you and I helped plant in Austin, Texas, one of the reasons I left was the church took a pretty progressive view of race and the church yeah. was planted by um, a mixed race individual with a, uh, who has a black wife. They're lovely people. I still loved them. I still love them. I still wish we could be homies. Um, uh, and I, I hope we get him to come on our podcast and we can, you know, kind of desagulate what happened with that whole thing. Yeah. Not that anything bad happened, but I can tell you that the kind of, um, you know, and this was far long before anybody on Fox News was talking about critical race theory. That was, was yeah. this was, this was within the context of our church happening. And I was like, I disagree with this on principle. Mm -hmm. And the pastor said to me, well, if you disagree on principle, don't leave the church, stay here and educate us or have the conversation with us. And the reason I still chose to leave was firstly, because he sat me down and kind of lectured me with a PowerPoint on his phone. And that was Wait, the only that time. Really happened? Yes. Wow. At the, at the Starbucks. He, he showed me a um, critical race theory PowerPoint on his phone, and, which means he prepared to, and I, I love that guy, I still do. That was the only time in my relationship with him that I wanted to stuff him in the trunk of my Lincoln and toss him into the Brazos. Yeah, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm a grown man I, and you're going to sit here and lecture me about it. I remember some of the things that he would say, and this was before critical race theory was very popular. He, he spoke a lot about power differentials and that sort of thing. Right. And I, I kind I remember just kind of like being confused and not paying a whole lot of attention. Right. Uh, because I, I was in the church for the gospel. And I think that's why you ended up leaving is you're like, there's, we have such a focus on this one issue. Right. That sure. I, the gospel can and does address, but right. it is not the entirety of it. And that is all that church right. seemed to care about. So your reaction to this article, people leaving because your pastor likes Trump too much or not enough. Right. I agree. You're an idiot. If you left the church for that reason, you're just stupid. I mean, could that, but who cares? Does yeah. your church still do the work of the kingdom? Do, do they still right. carry out what the mission of Christ is and live the gospel? It right. should be irrelevant who your pastor voted for. It, it is. And I'll say this much about my current church, which I'm kind of like, I'm sad that I'm leaving in some way. Um, <clears throat> I'm only leaving because I'm just geographically not going to be near it. But it's that my church does this weird thing called helping the community um <laughs> by having a food pantry and during the yeah. during during the events of 2020 um they were i think i mean they had this the the church couldn't meet legally so they didn't um which i i'm enough of an anarchist to be like mm, middle fingers to the government we're having a church um right. that but to watch them have people line up around the block because they don't have money for groceries and the church is doing the actual, you know, we would say in Bible school, being the hands and feet of Jesus. <laughs> and I, listen, I will always mock some of these stereotypical cliches that we say in church. However, I believe in the truth of those cliches. So it's a very, it's a nuance. <laughs> okay. Right? All right. It's a balance yeah. because you we can do, do both. you're allowed yeah, because I hate that we say it that way, because it's a cliche. 
And when a lot of people say it, what they, they don't mean it in the most practical sense, but I do. And so I think it's dumb to leave it. But at the same time, if your church just becomes a political rally, it's a MAGA rally every weekend, or it's an anti-MAGA rally every weekend. I'm out, dude. I don't missed out on the entire point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so the reason I brought up that conversation I had with our former pastor was that um, I didn't want to have to be like, because I knew the, the, the consequence of me staying. And I, at that time, did not have the self-control to keep my mouth shut yeah. about issues where I had political and socio, socio-philosophical differences. I still, it's, it's still an effort for me to just be like, okay, don't say anything. These people are stupid. But, and there's sometimes where, you know, I went to another kind of progressive church after that. And I remember a young gal sitting down at the Bible study. And I went there because they had a lot of <laughs> tasty. Young gals, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa. Um, <laughs> and she was like, I'm just so concerned. Everything is going wrong. You know, um, uh, crime is up. All of these statistics you know, all of these scary things are happening. And then the, the only other libertarian guy there who happened to be Hispanic, he just goes, actually, here's this study. You're wrong. <laughs> Poverty has been crushed yeah. globally in the last 20 years because of free markets. And he just starts, yeah. brah, brah, brah. he starts, you know, he starts giving yeah. it to her. And I was sitting there going, <laughs> trying not to soil my, my jeans. Um, and I, I've, I've realized one thing, I'm perhaps an ineffective communicator of those values because I'm more concerned with making jokes and talking trash. Sure. I'm not really concerned with facts or, or feelings right. or any of that. I'm more concerned with talking trash and making jokes and people have a, people who don't know me have a difficult time delineating what's fact, what's joke. Yes, they do. So, so I don't care. I'm not going to change because that's for women and children. So, um, <laughs> But I, I do understand for those people who left, there's a nuance to it where you go, if I'm the only Trump guy at the church, and by the way, after leaving, I did go visit one last time before I left Texas mm-hmm. briefly, and I did wear a red hat with those four words on it just to mess with him. I have a picture of that. <laughs> were you there or was, I with, I, was it with Steph? I think you were there. Okay. Or you were there. There's a picture of you and I together and you're wearing that hat. Okay. Yeah. And I just wore it to screw with him. I didn't, Mm -hmm. I I liked that guy who was president, not for anything political, but for what he did to the press, how he, he, he got, he sees politics the way I do. I didn't agree with his policies. It's all a joke. It's all a joke. Our good friend, the, the man who inspired us to move to Austin, um, Cody, and I won't say his last name because we don't want uh, to get banned. Right. He says all politics is fake and LGBTQ, but he says the other three letter word that we're not going to say here. And I really agree with that. It's all fake and LGBTQ. Um, uh, but, I, uh, I, the church, I want to go back and talk to the church, but talk about the church you left. Yeah. And because you've mentioned this a couple of times and you said, you know, they were so focused on race. And again, right. we'll, we'll talk about race in another episode. Right. Uh, but I just want everyone to know, Danny is not, uh, he's not joking. Uh, yeah. I'll give you an example. They were so concerned about looking diverse that they told 
people, I don't know, they were talking about the different uh, ethnicities of people in the church touting their diversity. And they said, we even have a guy who's Norwegian, referring to me. Uh, I was born in the United States. <laughs> I was born in the USA. I've never been to Norway. I don't speak the language. Yeah. Uh, I am like one third Norwegian by heritage, but that's still less than half. And I don't go around telling people that. So right. they were super concerned with looking diverse so much so that they could not refer to the white guys as white guys. Yeah. Um, so that's probably do example, now. That's, that's what was going on. So yeah. Um, in the, in the political realm, yeah, we, we, you know, I can understand how you may leave a church like that. I, if for, they voted a different way than you did, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's kind of foolish. Um, that leads us to our next question though. Right. Which if is your church is political or if churches should be political. And I guess I would also say this, I can understand why churches do want to get involved in politics, right? Politicians do what our Congress people, our legislation does what they make laws. Right. Laws a lot of the time are based on what people believe is right and wrong. And the church is very strong opinions on what is right and wrong. So I kind of the whole deal why. here, like yeah. right and wrong is kind of the whole business of the gospel. Exactly. We're all wrong. Jesus is correct. Died right. for our sins. That whole thing, you know, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. The reason we put up all these buildings all over the place. Yeah. Um, listen, and I'll just, if I have to choose, I don't care that this, I don't, I, I dislike the fact that it's a, it's a binary, but if I have to choose between, and I'll make this as simple as possible, Democrat church or Republican church, I'm going to go to the Republican one. I'm not even a Republican. Okay. Um, Why are you going to do that? So I, I voted for John McCain. That was the only time I ever voted Republican in my life. And the reason I'll do that is as a Brown person, I know I can walk in there and be treated like a normal guy, just a person, because unlike that's you, why you voted for McCain? That's not why I voted Are for going McCain. to Latter Day Saints Church. <laughs> no, uh, no, I voted for McCain because at that time I was young and naive. It was the first time I was eligible to vote, and I really I wasn't voting for McCain. I was voting for Sarah Palin's daughters. Hey, hi oh. Um, no, I was I was voting against Obama and um, my disdain for conservatism and later my my disdain for Christian conservatism and the and the marriage of those two things um, came from investigating that history. But let me just also I, I wanted I, 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 I forgot to say this at the outset, my first experience with politics in church wasn't white conservatism. It was white liberalism because when I left my parents' church and if I went back to that church now, I'm sure all of them are MAGA hat and MAGA flag flying guys. They weren't necessarily political. I knew all of them were Republicans or whatever. But when I started exploring other churches, like I went to one church where everyone just sat on uh, like couches in a circle and these look like the kind of couches that they got off the highway for free. Yeah. And um, it was just this message about like, you know, um, I, I, don't, I don't remember the message. What I do remember afterwards was um, an Asian gal with a lot of piercings on her face introduced me to all of the minorities, like, but not 
<laughs> the pastor was a white guy. There's other white people there. Yeah. But she was like, here's Jamal and Fung. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and Julio. And I was just like, I already know Julio. He comes over every other week with my gutters, but I'm like cleaning up the gutters. <laughs> but um, so, and then I went to a church called the Upper Room in uh, Edina, Minnesota that met inside of a Presbyterian church. And, you know, I remember they showed us a video of the story of stuff, which is this kind of anti-capitalist um, propaganda. And um, so that was, that was a problem off rip for me. Um, and uh, it was such a weird thing to show people in church. And she's just like, and, and they made this um, correlation between, well, capitalism is materialism and i oppose christians being materialistic but at the same time here comes the nuance i like fancy stuff right and i don't think there's anything wrong with fancy stuff but i completely understand how fancy stuff can come to define you to come to define you and like like you know preachers and sneakers can like i'm the guy wearing the off-white limited edition and it's like but I, I, I was exhausted by that kind of thing. And then I realized I can just walk into name an evangelical, you know, just a mega church and the white people will just treat me like, a, oh, OK, cool, man. Oh, you yeah. want to hang out with us and go out to the, the range um, and pop pop things or hang out and play on our four wheelers and we'll help you move because we have pickup trucks and we don't ride bicycles everywhere. Yeah. Hey, like, I see. yeah, it's, it's practical. See. Yeah. Uh, well, before we move on to the, the next question, I, uh, you said John McCain and I made a, a Mormon joke. Sorry. That's a Mitt Romney. I had my politicians uh, in their religion okay. wrong. So, okay. Uh, sorry for the wrong joke on the wrong person there. So if churches, uh, should or shouldn't be political, like we didn't arrive at a, a strong conclusion there, which is fine, I think, but should churches be public about their political leanings? Um, I think it's dumb if your if your church has a political leaning, and and what I have noticed anyway is that society is fine with overtly political churches if they're left leaning. There's no problem. They don't okay. care about the in, in the Twin Cities. There's a pastor of a church who runs a nonprofit called Vote the Common Good or something along those lines. Uh-huh. No problem. The IRS is not up his keister <laughs> yeah uh, but if it if it's in the if it's in going the other direction um it is a problem so yeah i think you should just be open about it if yeah. you have a political leaning just be open about it let's yeah, sort ourselves to. out here's the thing the whole point the whole point of multiple buildings with different people and different cultures is that we get to sort ourselves out and go to the place not where, you know, like our faith is not like you should go somewhere where your faith isn't challenged or you're not forced to grow spiritually, but right. where you're going to get into a community. And I personally, a not going to find community. <laughs> your face. Yeah. Okay. That's right. I mean, that's a, that's a callback. That's an inside joke callback uh, that no one else is going to get, but no, like you're going to have to go somewhere where you're going to be able to do this weird thing and, I believe that the entire purpose of church is for you to go find friends and make pals and have a community yeah. and have somewhere to belong. And um, 
So I don't know that I'm going to be able to do that with people who, when they find out my political leanings, might have issues with that. Now, I, I recall distinctly when I left our plant and I yeah. went to that more progressive church that I picked for two very um, shallow reasons, chicks, and it was close to our apartment. Mm. <laughs> that was it. I Because the other place that we were commuting into downtown Austin, we live far enough north there that a ways. it was a 15 or 20 minute commute and I hate commuting. So I didn't have to get on the highway and they had girls. And um, someone asked me like, so I'd been there for a while. The pastor called me and uh, he asked me something like, how do you like the culture of our church? He's a white guy in a progressive city like Austin. I know what he means. Right. Mm -hmm. And I said something along the lines of like, yeah, like, I don't know that I necessarily fit in. I'm a certified cracker. I like shotguns and pickup trucks, Jack Daniels and fat bottomed Latinas. I don't know that. And I just said, like, I just, that's, you said in the last episode yeah. that I once told the pastor I sell drugs to children. You like, did, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, and I remember talking to someone else at the church and they're like, uh, like they were relaying, like he thought that was funny. And I was like, no, I'm not kidding. Like, and they're like, oh, you're not going to find a church like that in Austin you're going to have to like hike up to Lampasas or something to find like a, mm. like a church like that. And I was like, okay. And I ended up leaving that church and going two minutes down the, down the highway and finding exactly, I mean, it's a, it's the franchise of churches, right? We all know the model, right? right? Energetic speaker, tall, Caucasian, slick hair, um, reclaimed wood on the back of the stage, smoke <laughs> machines, laser lights. Yeah, it was a vibe. I didn't hate it. Uh, it's the only vibe. It's but what happened over time was I started to realize, okay, I have to, I have to just go with what's. I I tried planting a church so I could help make the thing I I thought the market needed. Yeah. Right. That failed, so I just have to go with here's what the market's offering cool guys with pickup trucks that like to hang out and do fun stuff. Other people who want to grieve about social politics and be upset and angry all the time. And we have to go March. And I was like, I don't want to March about anything. You don't like walking very much. <laughs> that is a fat phobic statement. <laughs> Everyone should go buy my book, ending fat phobia. <laughs> it's on Amazon right now. Dr. D Bombay. Oh, international bestseller. Me. That reminds me that we have a sponsor. Yes, this episode. we do. Our sponsor today is Mars Hill Male Enhancement. Oh, what Mars a good Hill name. Male Enhancement includes a 30-day dose along with a set of CDs where a man yells at you for your lack of manhood. The combination of the testosterone boosters in Mars Hill Male Enhancement with yeah. the CDs helps your body program itself to become yoked. You're going to be a giga Chad for Jesus in a matter of 60 days with Mars Hill Male Enhancements program. Tell us about the promo. Remember you can go, promo? yeah, you can go to marshillmaleenhancement.com slash CIC20 to get 20% off your first 30-day supply, which includes, like I said, the supplements. 20% off. Yeah, Makes that's your right. performance 20% better. That's right. 
if you're married, of course, they're going to need to see a marriage certificate. There is a form in there. Um, So you can go to MarsHillMailEnhancement.com slash CIC20 and uh, order that today. Oh, what a good sponsor. We're so grateful to have Mars Hill Mail Enhancements as our sponsor for this episode. All right. So once again, just want to say thank you to our sponsor, Mars Hill Mail Enhancements. Incredibly blessed to have such a um, just strong, powerful, masculine, dominant sponsor on our side and godly. And they're going to and it's going to bless you and you're you know where. That's right. Yeah. So um, let's continue. We were talking about, yeah. Talking about um, politics and the church. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to, I think the next thing we have in our thing was Romans 13. Romans 13. Um, I call this the Republican verse because <laughs> when a Republican's in office, everyone's like, but you have to follow the government. Romans 13. Yeah, I love it. The minute they're out of office, they're like, well, we don't know. We have to use nuance to understand what this means. We have a ability to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I was asking one of my friends who's actually running for office who, yeah. who chastises my views um, about my political views. I don't really have political views. I'm anti-political. But <clears throat> he says, well, Romans 13 says we have to you know, abide by the government. And then he was complaining about how the former president is being investigated. And then I just start quoting the rest of Romans 13. <laughs> Where it goes like, well, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about. And he's like, but you have to understand, Danny, in America, we get to elect our whatever. And there's election fraud and there's whatever. And I'm not claiming any of that. I'm just saying what this relaying what this person said. So Romans 13, I'm going to use my uh, minor in biblical studies to help us out a little bit. Okay. With Romans 13, it does say that. And then I'll use, and then, sorry. And then I'll use my. Christian counseling certificate, which is technically a double major from where I got it from to help us cope with the consequences of Romans 13 and together continue. Uh, Sorry. Okay. So Romans 13 basically just says, if I'm going to summarize it, that you should obey the governing authorities. Okay. And also later on, it says that, like you said, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to worry about. The best way to not worry about the authorities is just do nothing wrong. And then later it says that you should also pay your taxes. So uh, I want to rant a little bit. What's important about this is context. What we love to do as uh, modern day evangelicals in America, we love to read scripture and not care at all about the context. Okay, there's historical, there's cultural context. There's an author who's a specific person writing to a specific group of people. We need to understand all of those things and then we can ask ourselves, does this apply to me? Usually what we do is we just read it at face value and say, does this apply to me? Did you have a question, sir? I saw your hand was raised. <laughs> I just wanted to say, I think yeah. that you're only saying that because you hate America. Continue. Okay. Yeah. And you will get, that is exactly what people will say uh, when you start to uh, kind of dissect scripture a little bit and especially Romans 13. So uh, what, what's going on here? You can read, um, I got this commentary off of uh, goodfaithmedia.org. Okay, so they give us a little bit of context. What's happening? The author of Romans, that's supposedly Paul, is writing to the Christian Gentiles in Rome. All right, there's some things going on. 
uh, they would be going into the synagogue still to worship, right? This is a Jewish place of worship because Christ just came along. I don't think the word for Christians even exists yet. Uh, they're just worshiping God, okay? And they had an experience with this guy, Jesus. Paul is writing to address an issue of both Jewish believers and Gentile believers uh, causing problems in the synagogue because the authorities of the synagogue, these are the Jewish authorities, uh, the Jewish believers and uh, Gentiles were not really getting along, not thinking they should play by the rules because they kind of believe this new thing with this new guy, Jesus. They shouldn't have to pay the tax, the fee to get in the temple to worship because they don't play by these rules anymore. All right. So wait, they had like they had a door charge to get into the synagogue. Yeah, they had a cover charge. They had a bouncer out front. Um, to drink minimum. <laughs> exactly. So uh, yeah, none of this has anything to do with uh, obeying and paying taxes to your federal government as we would see it today. Right. So that's <clears throat> important to note. And I just, of course, want to say, I want to quote at this time, my, my pastor eternal, right? Pastor emeritus eternal, my pastor for all of time, mm -hmm. Ron Paul. Yeah, pastor Ron Paul. Yeah. yeah Dr. Ron Paul. Um, taxation is theft. But no, I, there is a section that I do like, I, I do want to, if we're going to do this thing where we're political in church mm -hmm. and we're going to, we're going to examine ourselves and we're going to examine our government through this lens of uh, the, the, the Bible and the gospel, <clears throat> Romans, I believe it's eight says accurate scales are his delight. And I just want to make the point mm -hmm. that whenever I would bring up, and this is where my evolution from being someone who voted Republican once to not being that was like, hey, the Federal Reserve is doing things that may or may not, some believe, that harm the accuracy of the value of our currency. Yes. And if we're, and I will, I'm happy to join hand in hand with conservative Christians if and when they're ready to have the dialogue about, like, oh, if we're going to do Romans 13, we're going to have to do Romans 8 too. Romans 8 also, mm -hmm. we're going to have to be combative towards this thing that is inaccurately scaling things. And a, a lot of, this is a political comment, but a lot of the <clears throat> inequality in our economy that people are concerned with rightfully, and some of this is stuff I'm going to address in an episode about men and boys, but um, is brought on by a central banking system that the United States government didn't have until 1913 mm -hmm. and it was kind of crafted in secret and no one really understood what this was. And part of my gripe with the Republican party is that at no point in time has anyone ever tried to be like, maybe we shouldn't have this thing, but right. that's neither here nor there. Uh, you know, no. um, yeah, not related to the church, but more no. related to the Republicans. Correct. Um, what else did yeah, I have in here? If, we gotta, if we're going to look at Romans 13 and take it literally, we should look at Romans 8. I think we should just try to do a better job under understanding scripture um, and what's, but, what's really going on there. I, and I think it's also important to note as, uh, well, you and I would believe, Danny, that uh, anytime government exists, it exists uh, only because they have the uh, monopoly on the use of force. Correct. And because they can legally force people to do things. Yeah. Try not paying your taxes. What's going to happen? Right. Show up with guns and then go throw you in prison. 
Yeah. And that's and only the government can legally do that. So right. we believe in morality as Christians. Yeah. Uh, I would believe that it is immoral to force somebody to do something they don't want to or shouldn't have to do. Yeah. And I think that when I say that kind of stuff to my uncles and cousins and they start pulling out the, the Romans verse and I don't ever get into the nuance of it with them like you did just now, which I really appreciate, which I didn't know because now I'm going to start bopping them over the head with, well, did you know this? <laughs> um, well, actually, but, um, <clears throat> you know, another thing that I have uh, written down here is, uh, you know, we already covered that. Um, has the alliance in, in your, in your mind, I know you have something else written here too, mm -hmm. has the alliance between the Republican party and Christianity or church, mm -hmm. sorry, I need to make that distinction church has that alliance caused some of what our generation is going through what we're calling deconstruction i don't like that word because i don't like a lot of words that are i don't like a lot of words that are i speak more than one language so i understand words sometimes are the exact same word but have two different meanings my grandfather used to say hey uh son go grab me a glass of blue water he wasn't talking about get water and like put Gatorade in it or food coloring. It means cold water. So uh -huh. some people mean deconstruction and they mean, Hey, there's weird parts of my faith that are just cultural and um, I should get rid of those. And other people, when they say deconstructing, what they mean is we're not going to be Christian anymore. And we're saying this is all relative and there's a thousand ways to get to heaven but we want to still call ourselves Christians because we culturally like some of the stuff we're doing. Okay. See what I mean? So you don't like the word, but we want to ask the question. Yes. Has the alliance that the Republican Party has made uh, or that the church has made, evangelicals have made with the Republican Party aided in uh, deconstruction or just maybe people questioning or leave it, questioning their faith or leaving the church? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think maybe. I think that is worth deconstructing if you're in a church and, hey, in this church, we have to be Republican or in this church, we always vote Democrat. That would definitely be something that's worth deconstructing. Because yeah. I just don't really think Jesus would give a shit about which way you vote. He just didn't seem to care about yeah. it. Like he, like, he kind of understood. And when you're God, you would probably have that perspective that like, hey, political leaders are going to come and go, but I'm God. I last forever. So I don't really give a shit about those guys. I mean, not that he doesn't care. I'm sure he loves them and all that stuff, but like right. power, like he's really in power. So he didn't care. Yeah. You know, it, it didn't seem to phase him. And, and there's that verse in first Samuel. I forget where it is. I forget the full citation, but it goes on to, it's where the Israelites are asking God for a king. And he's going, you don't want this deal, bro. What you want is what I'm giving you. It's, it's you and me. You don't want somebody in between you because they're going to take your stuff. They're going to conscript your sons. They're going to do all this stuff. I don't remember the whole thing. But I often look at that verse and go, now I understand that Jesus comes to fulfill the law. But I fail to see how this is made irrelevant by that by Jesus's death and resurrection, God's still telling these people, you don't want an arrangement where you're governed by men when you can just be governed by, you know, the person who created you. Yeah. Yeah. We skipped ahead with that. We were going to talk about nationalism. Oh yeah. That's in there too, isn't it? Yeah. So th that 
first Samuel 8, um, the Israelites, yeah. they want a king. And God right. says, fine, give them what they want. They're rejecting me, God, as the king. But you should solemnly warn them about how a king will reign over them. Okay. So we were uh, talking about nationalism. Nationalism has become far-right far nationalism, kind of a buzz phrase that we're hearing, especially since the events of January 6th. Right. And uh, some people have said, you know, nationalism, far-right nationalism, and uh, uh, what are they called? Domestic terror groups. They're the, the biggest threat to our country's integrity. No, they're the biggest threat to democracy. They never say our country's, they always say democracy, which is... To democracy. Our democracy. And I always... Yeah postulate they're not including me in the hour <laughs> they don't mean me right they mean yeah. they mean them they don't mean me yeah they keep saying we're all in this together but i'm not in the weird they're in it, no they're in it together i'm on the outside so yes do you think nationalism is a threat i think nationalism is a threat now i'm a very I'm very liberal when it comes to what qualifies a person as saved. I don't think nationalism is a threat to your salvation, but I think it's a threat to your witness. I think it's a threat to your capacity to serve God because you're saying, and, and here's what I actually believe a lot of lovely Christian people in this country that are conservative or Democrat for that matter, whatever, they worship their politics like it's God. Sure. And I see it in a way that I find so disturbing. Um, I, I see people who are like, and they, you know, I was talking to somebody in my family and I was like, you know, like if the church, you see us building these multi-million multi dollar buildings, right? Mm -hmm. We could very easily, if we all just did our 10%, like the Bible suggests that we do, I don't believe that you're commanded to do that. I just believe that you should. And I've learned that it doesn't, it, it's irrelevant. It becomes irrelevant to my, to my budget anyway. Mm -hmm. um, we could solve hunger. Yeah. We could solve, we could solve every, every, we could solve every problem Los Angeles is going to face in the next two years. Like it's going to look like, you know, it's going to look like um, it's going to be a hellscape over there. But yeah. if, especially like a church like Saddleback or anything, um, I, I think that, you know, I, I actually remember having this argument with a pastor at a church that we went to in Minnesota. <clears throat> they were building a multi-seven-figure auditorium for the kids, for the yeah. youth ministry. And I said, you know, if you just took that money and put a down payment down on one of these uh, apartment complexes that surrounds your church, you could fill it with young pregnant teen girls and you're a generally complementarian church. So there's a lot of moms who have teenage kids who have free time during the day. And we could actually help prevent abortions by helping these girls, whether it's they're keeping the kid or whether it's whatever, we could do this weird thing of being the hands and feet of Jesus with our money. Yeah. And you could probably, and if you know you were smart enough, you buy two buildings, you don't really have to, you could probably turn this into a profitable venture, actually, yeah, where you're going to rent out two floors to normal people and reserve one floor for the moms. <clears throat> and they're going. And so I was telling somebody this and they're like, wow, that's really interesting. But they went ahead and just built the youth auditorium anyway. And I was like, you already have one auditorium. You're yeah. going to have 
Now, my thoughts on this have changed. Of course, I was kind of, I, I wasn't a member of that church. I wasn't tithing there. It wasn't my place to tell them how to spend their money. Mm-hmm. But my thoughts on this have changed in the sense that there's probably one person, there's probably one family that if they don't, they have the youth auditorium and they're giving away free pizza on Wednesday. I think it's all cheesy and stupid, but there's going to be one family in that community that goes, okay, the kids can go to youth group and get free pizza tonight. So we have just enough money for ramen noodles for the two of us until your check clears on Friday. So like, okay, I'm fine with it for that reason. But I still think that, you know, there are practical ways for the church to be involved in solving human problems. But for that person, what became an issue for them was, yeah, but then people have to wait. If we just, if the government just steals everybody's money and does it right now, they can have that solution now. And I was like, but where have you, that's not practical because that's untrue. Like they're going to take a $15 million from you to build a $150,000 street. Right. So, so back to nationalism. Oops. Probably not not a threat. Maybe maybe a threat to just as you said, your witness. It it can get you off track. I I don't think it's the point of the gospel. Um, although maybe Jesus was a little bit of a nationalist. You think so? The Samaritan woman comes to him and asks to be healed, and he says, "Well, I really came for the Jews, but I I guess you can get a little bit." And then he healed her. Like he was a he was kind of a like hesitant, a reluctant. Well, what was 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 his reluctance his reluctance or was his reluctance on behalf of the community he was there to serve so that they felt like he was you know whatever but um no then he does his thing on the cross for everyone anyways so uh, everybody get up there and say this is just for the jews as yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody can get it everybody gonna get it um yeah, yeah so like w- w- not only that now let me talk about not politics and church, but politics, this is strategically the dumbest thing. You can't on the one hand tell me we're for free markets and small government and then say, but also we want this massive government that's going to do what we want. And this is a cycle that happens in politics where I think anyway, where the Democrats goad the Republicans into growing the government and then the yeah. Democrats win an election and then they use it against the Republicans and then sure. the Republicans go, how did this happen? How did this happen? Because yeah. all of those people that went to that protest in January 6th, um, they tracked everybody down and they went to people's houses. And how do they do that? The Patriot Act. You know, yeah. that thing Ron Paul told you they were going to use against you and then they used it against you and then you're like, I think we're against this now. But it's the law. Yes, sir. So yeah. back to the alliance between American evangelicalism and the Republican Party. Right. Um, has this led to people leaving the church? I think we've got to go back and look. Like, there's a history here, and it's kind of an interesting history. I don't know if it started on the church's side or the politician's side. We right. have people throughout history, like Richard Nixon, who saw that a lot of white Southerners were upset about desegregation and thought he could appeal to win their votes based on faith and appealing to, to that, those sentiments kind of in mixing some of these uh, anti-desegregation and Christian views together. Uh, he was also good friends with Billy Graham, a massive televangelist right interestingly enough billy billy graham was a democrat right uh, 
having been raised in the South and didn't, it was skeptical of JFK and JFK's Catholicism, thinking that ah, he's going to align too much with the Pope. It's not going to be good for our country. So very interesting guys like that, like Billy Graham. Billy Graham's met like every president. Right. From Nixon on, he's met all of them, prayed for all of them, been right. involved in some way, shape or form. And so you see guys like that and different interesting, interesting relationships between mega church pastors, evangelists, presidents, senators. There's a long history of this happening. You can see why politicians do it. Christians, uh, let me tell you, Christians, to a politician, you're just a vote. You're just a number. Keep that in mind. Um, you are a part of a population. If we can win their leaders, we can win all of their votes. That helps get us in office. Um, you're correct. And what's interesting though, is it's actually, it was Carter. Carter was the first person to be like, I'm just a Paul peanut farmer from wherever the heck he was from Arkansas or Nebraska or whatever the heck. And he was really the first person to lean on his Christian faith and like publicly do so and what what other people realized was okay wait we all we have to do is like do a crucifix and like you know or or whatever yeah um you know we're a couple prayer breakfasts yeah there's a whole uh, docu document or docu series on netflix about the uh the prayer breakfast and it's a fantastic organization like it's a hilarious conspiracy theory video uh, series on there but um, <clears throat> that was the first entree of that, like kind of the merging of that. And I do believe that there are some people who are deconstructing, um, because of that. And let me just add this <clears throat> as someone who got to witness another culture growing up in my house, in the, in the four walls of my home and my yeah. family's homes, I witnessed them interjecting their culture up the keister of the gospel and the Bible and finding all sorts of their culture in the keister, your family. Yeah. Okay. And I watched other Malayali Christians, but here's the problem. Whites don't have that perspective. And when they become progressive, they go, maybe you don't even have any black friends. And it's like, no, I have plenty of other cult friends of other cultures and whatever, but you don't have that perspective that I have, which is, you think that you're so you <clears throat> white people who are in the process of deconstructing because of politics in the church don't have the perspective to go, hold on a second. Humans will just take their culture and try to justify their culture in the context of the, of the Bible and the gospel sure. and in the context of church. And I watched people um, say, no, dating is wrong. The, the way you're supposed to get married and it's biblical is to get set up by your parents and they pull out all of, cause that's how the Indians do it. Right. <clears throat> and it, like, you know, that's, I'm not condemning one thing or the other. Wherever from scripture. What's that? Then they can proof text that with, you know, various pieces of scripture. I'm sure. Of course, dude. And um, so like even the topic, which was, it's not an issue at this point, but for every, and it was always the women. It was never the, the man. I never heard a man say this. It was, I'm just telling what happened. The interracial marriage was a, was a consequential subject for our community in the nineties. 
Right. <clears throat> and there was there was like, well, at the Tower of Babel, God separated all of us. And why did he like, but they would use that. And these are brown people telling other brown people, don't mix with the whites because God doesn't want you to. Okay. And let me just say every something from, what's that? So every culture does it. Yeah. But let me also just add this for a practical biological thing. <clears throat> if you have a small community, there's at some point, and the Amish figure this out, at some point you get to a situation where everybody is somebody else's cousin. Okay. Yeah. So this is, this is a true fact. I used to carry around a small family tree. And anytime I met a brown girl, I'd pull it out. We'd go, oh, no oh branches collide. No we, way. I'm kidding. I, I never did that. Okay. <laughs> but, but it would sometimes be like, oh, hey, um, oh, you have a cousin from Houston. I have some cousins from Houston. So-and-so. I was like, hmm. Yeah, and then you knew. <laughs> Those are also the same people I'm talking about. Yeah, so that would happen from time to time. But So speaking of immigrants. Yeah. How should Christians feel or think about illegal immigrants? It's a big political topic. Yeah. And um, I believe that um, I don't, I'm not taking some progressive view that this is all stolen land. That's how war works. You lost, you lost. It sucks. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not agreeing with it, but I'm just saying you lost. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just it happens. Hey, same thing happened to the British. Okay. Yeah. They subjugated the Indians. Now an Indian guy runs their country. All right. So we own their car companies. We, uh, you know, we we run the country now. We're gonna get Grandma's jewels back, everybody. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> but um, my view and and the the nuance of it is also if you know a white person who works in the trades, who works in a blue collar job. And you ask them about the Hispanic people that they know. They don't want to know where they get their documents from. They don't care. They just know that these people are family men who come and work hard. And what's and that the the grind of that work helps bring down a lot of sociological barriers where, you know, you're doing highline power work. You're putting up sheetrock, whatever it is you're doing. I know plenty of people who would say, well, they, they just got to come here legally. But then they have plenty of friends who they're like, don't tell me your status because I don't want to know. And they're like, man, he bought me, he brought me this thing his wife made called an enchilada for, for lunch. I got to tell you something. Who doggy, it came out like wildfire, but it was so tasty. I, I know plenty of these guys who, yeah. you know, who would otherwise be viewed as bigoted towards this group of people right. who, because of their work or whatever, don't have that. I don't actually care about the law. I think that our job as Christians shouldn't be to be concerned with how somebody gets here. It's that they're here. And if we can do something to help them and serve them, that we do that. And here's what I'll say from a strategic standpoint, politically, if you look at what helped to turn Florida into a deep red state, it wasn't the whites. It was the Cubanos. Okay. And the Venezuelans. Yeah, and uh, because they, uh, because the United States had a dry foot rule, if you set foot on American soil as a Cuban, in one year you're a citizen. Yeah. And the, the Andrew Schultz, a comedian who has a funny joke about this, he's like, 
you Cubans, you get to America and you put one foot on the soil and you're like, we can't have any more immigration. It's full. We're full. No more people. They call me. But if we look at it strategically, politically, not even about church, how that has affected the state of Florida and turn it into a stalwart red state, you conservatives should go, hey, these are Hispanic people who like having families. And you and I noticed something when we moved to Texas was mm-hmm. Hispanic people, guys who are day laborers or whatever, covered in paint and soot and other nonsense and look really dirty and they have their kids and these kids look like they just topped out of the shower clean clothes never look they're always like these people care about their families yeah very traditional values love going to church yeah uh so yeah i see what you're saying with the conservatives maybe should say oh maybe if we just let more people in (laughs) they'll be on our side and we'll win more from the political view yeah yeah, and not necessarily from a Christian pers- church perspective, but from a political perspective. I mean, so I think that the Christian view should be, I don't care how you get here. I just want to love and serve you because, you know. You're here. Whole, yeah. Um, and, if, and if someone wants to, and listen, I don't think that it, it, at, simultaneously, if you don't like conservative Christians will say stuff like, if you don't like it here, go move to another country. Okay. And then they go, why are these people from crappy countries coming here? And then they're saying, why don't you go back to the country that you came from and turn it into what you, what America is. So there's these competing allegiances and competing thoughts on, you know, so those are my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Uh, personally, you know, I love Ill- illegal immigrants. Uh, I married right. one. I want her to be uh, illegal for as long as possible. That way, if I get sick of her, I can just uh, call immigration and uh, she's gone. So <laughs> it's so true, though. It's so true. I keep uh, telling. She's a permanent resident now. We're, uh, it's all done. I know. God bless. And I, yeah, we're happy. By the way, um, the insurance company that insures us. All Pod Media's hosts yeah. yep. saw your post of her giving you your birthday gift of skydiving. Yes. I got reamed out by our legal team <laughs> because they're like, did. yeah, it was rough, dude. So does that cover everything we had for today? On Just this about. One? What about cancel culture? Okay. As, as you know, we're a podcast called Church is Canceled. Yeah. And, uh, how do you think Christians feel about cancel culture? I think they hate it, but they also invented it. What do you mean? How, how do Christians of all people invent cancel culture? You know, it was the far leftists who did that. Well, no, they appropriated it. They, they misappropriated a piece of Christian culture. Um, and I say this, you know, in our first episode, I talked about being an outsider and, yeah. and I talked about being made to feel like, you know, um, a pariah in various Christian communities. And it, just wait and see, like, we canceled Rob Bell too early. We should have canceled him. I'm not disagreeing with that, but we did it too early. Like he wrote one book called love wins. And then everybody's like, he's out. We've kicked him off the team. Yeah. I think he's off the team now because I don't even know if he believes in Jesus. I'm not saying he does or doesn't. I'm just saying when he talks, he talks in circles. I can't stand it. He has this staccato way of like, and then if we just think about God as a song playing in a room and we're opening every door in the house, but we invented cancel culture. 
right? So in the context yeah. of politics, the reason that reason that's in today, like today's episode is, I think it's wrong for Christians to say, hey, this guy voted for a Democrat. And I remember someone that I love telling me that they voted for Obama and I almost fell out of my chair. But hey, that guy serves his church. That guy serves his family. I don't understand his decision at all, but he is living the gospel. I can't be angry at him for that. And I'm not, I refuse to cancel him for that. I'm in the middle of moving. He said, I haven't talked to him in a couple of years, long time, probably five, six years, calls up and says, Hey, I didn't have, calls my dad and says, Hey, if you guys need help moving anything, I'll, I have plenty of time off. I'll, I'll help you drive your stuff down to Texas. Come on. What do you want me to do? Yeah. Um, we, but you know, like, um, we did it to John Christ. Yeah. It wasn't even fair. We, I mean, like it was a Christian who wrote uh, the, I think it was a, who wrote the original article about him trying to get girls to send him pictures of their tatas. Like mm-hmm. this is, first of all, John Christ, I don't think you understand how the internet works, but <laughs> like, you didn't have to ask for that. They're just out there for free. Um, and he was just like, let's go rollerblading and drink vodka. Like, again, not problematic. He's a comedian. What are we? He's a single male comedian. What are our expectations? But I saw so many blog articles about how, like, we can't let this continue. In our co- this guy lost a Netflix special over it. Mm-hmm. Dude, he's like, and I have nothing. I love John Christ, right? He's funny, he- dude. He's part of the reason why we're doing this in, in a lot of ways or that inspired me anyway to do this. So I think that conservative, and I'll tell you another angle to this, uh, a friend of I, a friend of ours, um, I have to speak in colloquialisms here, but he um, disposed of himself and it was horrifying. We were all saddened yeah. by that event. And one of our other friends declined to attend the service, his funeral, because he said, I don't want to be seen as endorsing uh disposing of yourself and i i love this person to this day i still love this person i wanted to throw him into the mississippi river for saying that yeah and uh, another situation where a friend of mine his father came flying out of the closet after a year you know five kids you know the whole thing stay-at-home mom the church declined to help her you know carry her mortgage for a few months buy her groceries while her husband's left because they don't want to be seen as supporting that kind of lifestyle. So when I say we invented cancel culture, we have put, we have put the service of our brothers and sisters in Christ mm-hmm. beneath the appearance of how things look. And we're willing to set these people aside, or I'll even say something even more heinous. We're willing to throw these people in the garbage bin yeah. because their life ends up not being as sanctified as we thought it was. Because living life and doing community together, these are all catchphrases from every big church with the wood paneling, like I mentioned. Yeah. <clears throat> it comes at the cost of, hey, this is, it's going to get messy. And people are broken and we're imperfect. And there's something really LGBTQ about saying that that makes me feel kind of gross. While at the same time, that's what I actually believe. That we have to, <clears throat> if we're not actually going to look out, I I don't blame atheists that look at us and go, you guys are always fighting. Why would oh, yeah. anybody join your team? Valid. Right. Right. Like, it's not like we're fighting in a jovial, like, ha ha ha. 
the Calvinists who kicked them in the balls or whatever, which I would be fine with. We're like, ha ha ha, your brother took himself off this earth and we're not going to go to your funeral because we don't want to be seen as supporting that horrifying decision. And that to me, I could not, that to me is canceled. That's, that's the origins of cancel culture. And now, yes, it means if you say untoward things about um, our brothers and sisters that only practice the first half of the Bible, you're going to lose your bank account and uh, you know, $1.8 billion, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, that, that might be more appropriate, but I'm just saying like, we did invent this thing. It's, it's, it's yeah. a thing of our own making. You sure did. Right. Well, Danny, I couldn't have said it better myself, um, but I'll say this. Okay. You are canceled. Well, Brett, um, it aggrieves me to hear that. If everyone could just reach our hands out, I don't want to. I don't want to commit a grievance against you. Let's just pray for Brett and his time of need, and let him also know that he is also canceled. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Oh, see you next time. Buddy.